St. Jose Maria Escriva said, If you say the Holy Rosary every day with a spirit of faith and love, Our Lady will make sure she leads you very far along her son's path. Our sponsor of today's episode is a firm believer in these words. Choose Life is a small Catholic business whose mission is to equip all Catholics with rosaries for life, and they mean it. They have silicone rosaries for babies and beautiful gemstone and wooden rosary bracelets for adults. They have a rosary for everyone. The silicone rosaries are amazing because they are 100% safe and babies absolutely love them. Imagine seeing your little one totally loving on a rosary made just for them. It is literally like seeing your baby hold hands with our mother Mary. And the rosary bracelets for adults, so beautiful and so well-made, just so lovely. A really neat feature of the rosary bracelet is their bookmark crucifix charm. So if you don't have time to get through the whole rosary at once, you don't have to worry. Simply use the charm to hold your place until you can come back to it and finish your prayers. You need to check out Choose Life. Along with their many beautiful rosaries, Choose Life features a lot of other amazing products created to bring the faith into your home. Their newest product is so beautiful. It's a beautiful wooden baby. Baby Jim. It is so sweet and so cute, and it is perfect for your own little one or someone that you love. So to see this and more, head over to their website, chooselife.com. That's C-H-E-W-S life.com. And use the code ABIDE10 to get 10% off your purchase. That's chooselife.com. Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. This podcast is born out of our friendship and all that the Lord is doing in our lives. You hear us laugh, you hear us cry, you hear us share very vulnerably, and you hear us talk about the things that we're still learning along the way, and you're most welcome to join us. You can find out all of our information on our podcast episodes on abidingtogetherpodcast.com. But for now, grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. We've got a really special episode for you today, and we're going to talk about loving the church in all her beauty and all of her sorrow. (laughs) So if that's something that's been on your heart as we often see things unfold continually in the church, I really, really think as we wrestle through these things and as we seek the Lord's heart in these places, this might really bless you as well. And so, But before we dive into that deep, deep, deep waters, Michelle and Heather, it is full on spring. And Heather, we have to talk about how beautiful it is up where you are. Can you just tell everyone? Everybody, what's happening to your trees right now? Oh my gosh. Okay. So normally up where I live, it's very similar weather to Seattle. So mm-hmm. it rains like it feels like 80% of the year. And then you have this time where all of a sudden it's like a light switch mm-hmm. goes on and all of a sudden the sun comes out and everything starts blooming. So I went for a drive with our kids yesterday and we just rolled the windows down and we were cruising through all the farmlands and the smell of just all the blossoms and everything coming off the trees was You can't even express. You just feel like it's heavenly in some way. But last week, it was super exciting on our property. Before we bought this property, the person who owned the land just like tore down all these huge trees, which is so sad because I wish that we had known that and had a choice in that. So we just had a whole bunch of new trees planted and it's beautiful already. The buds are just starting so because they just got put in the ground. So we're like doing all the things, watering and the sun's out. So that's good and trying to take care of it. But it's really been causing me to think again of like, what do these trees need to thrive? Like, what do we all need to thrive? And I think this is just a great thing that's on my mind, especially for today's episode of what does it look like 
to thrive? What are the essentials we need to thrive? So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take mm-hmm. some pictures mm, when they start when they start blooming. I'll yeah. send them to you guys. You mm-hmm. totally should. Yeah. Michelle, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I am really good. We just had the sacrament of confirmation for my ninth grade son. And so actually his sponsor was Father Mark Mary, and who is actually a really great confirmation sponsor. And even though we tease each other a lot, he is really, like I've said before, family to our family. And he was great sponsor for mm-hmm. my son, Sam. And our bishop, Bishop Bill Walk, is just a gem. He is just a gem. And so he just did a beautiful job. And I just love the power of the sacraments and especially the sacrament of confirmation. I love it. And I'm, I want to be like, do you know what's happening to you? Like the Holy Spirit <laughs> is coming upon you like he did the apostles at Pentecost. And so I was telling my son that and he's like, mom, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I have to tell you this funny story. So we're standing, sitting in the pew my son Sam looks at me and goes, do I have to keep my shirt tucked in the whole entire time? You know, he's wearing a nice dress shirt and tie. I'm like, yes, Sam, is your confirmation. I said, give Jesus your Sunday best. And he looked at me and goes, mom, Jesus says, come as you are. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me with a little smirk and goes, I just scriptured you. And I'm like, Sam, and if you know Sam, he's very quiet and reserved. So he was just really funny. I was like, stinker. Awesome. Yeah. So it was good. Sister, how are you? I'm doing well. I just got to see you, Michelle Benzinger and your whole family. I got to see you a couple of times. I was in Tallahassee doing an event with Dr. Bob Schutz at Priest Retreat. And so I got to see, because my visit in February was shut down by the Arctic Texas weather. I tried again in April and it worked out. So I got to see Michelle and your fam and then went to the Tallahassee for the Priest Retreat. And then you came back in Tallahassee for one of Sam's soccer games, which was just great. A nice bookend. <laughs> it was. It was a lot of fun. That photo you posted on social media was so cute. Father Mark Mary, Sister Miriam, and your husband, Chris, like oh, all cheerleading yeah. on the side. I was like, oh, that's the best little cheerleading squad I ever did see. <laughs> it is funny. so funny, though. I totally forget that both of them are in, you know, their habits mm-hmm. and their. And so when we come up to a soccer field and people are like, oh, oh, you know, here's a CFR <laughs> Friar. Here's a, you know, religious sister. It's so funny. And I just love mm-hmm. it. I absolutely love it. But it was great to have them with us. And yeah, it was, a yeah, it was, it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> it was a true delight and really like the face of the church. You just you think about often like that, of, you know, in my religious community, we're very familiar with priests and sisters and families. And so that's very common for us. And for a lot of people, they don't see that. And I think mm-hmm. when we talk about the church, like we're going to talk about loving the church and what does the church look like in all of her different facets and and just her beating her sorrow. I think that that unification of the coming together of the vocations, I mean, mm-hmm. serving and, and living in the heart of Christ and each revealing their own gift is a really special sign of the times, I really believe. I think something that the Lord is is rebuilding. So we want to pull out a couple quotes here that we're going to lead our discussion today. And one of them is from a homily by St. John Paul II, which he gave in 1982. And he says this, he says, there's only one church of Jesus Christ, which is like a great tree into which we are grafted. It is about a deep vital unity, which is a gift of God. It is not only or above all external unity. It is a mystery and a gift. And I think we could all agree that the church is a mystery and a gift. gift. Like we ourselves are mystery and gift many times. And I just wanted to to kind of let Michelle open this discussion because Michelle, you found a great, honest, heart-wrenching and heart-inspiring quote um, by an Italian priest from a book, which I think is, you mentioned was called Letters from the Desert. But do you want to cue that Mm -hmm. up for us and maybe talk a bit about that? 
Yeah, so I had read this a couple of years ago. I had this in a passage, and last week when I was praying about the church, so because there's more just disheartening news that we received Mm -hmm. about the church, you know, another priest scandal, scandal, and then another situation happened that I was aware of, and my heart was just breaking, Mm -hmm. and I was just like, enough already, enough Mm -hmm. already, Mm -hmm. and then I came across this uh, excerpt from Letters from the Desert from Carlos Credo. And it just really talks about really the tension of the church. Mm-hmm. And I the quote that I have is super, super long, so I won't read all of it, but I'll just the, pick some of it. But it just put to words what was going on. It just really gave a language of what was going on in my heart mm-hmm. and how I felt. And it says, how baffling you are, O church, and yet how I love you, how you have made me suffer, and yet how much I owe you. I would like to see you destroyed And yet I need your presence. You have given me so much scandal, and yet you have made me understand what sanctity is. I have seen nothing in this world more devoted to obscurity, more compromised, more false, and yet I have touched nothing more pure, more generous, more beautiful. How often I have wanted to shut the doors of my soul in your face, and how often I have prayed to die in the safety of your arms." Mm-hmm. And it just really goes on like we could we can pull just different excerpts about it through our conversation today, but just living in that tension and the mystery of the both and in the church, you know, and saying basically this is a church made of sinners, mm-hmm. but yet this is a church that is a spotless bride. Mm-hmm. So how do we really live in that tension as we are here on the side of heaven? How do we live in this tension of this bride that doesn't feel Sometimes the bride feels really messy and dirty and broken. And sometimes the mother, mother church, feels the last place that is safe. A mother is supposed to be safe and her arms are supposed to be open. And a lot of that has not been our experience with the church. Or we constantly see the scandal, you know, and we're like, like I said before, enough already. So how do we love the church in her fullness in the both ends? And how do we continue to be faithful members of this church in the both ends and live in this tension. And it's not an easy tension. So how do we do that? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you sent this to us, I it was the first thing I read in the morning. I got up and I read it and I <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Like I was completely stunned. It's pretty long, but I felt like everything I read, I was like, this is everything that's been rolling around in my heart and my mind for a long time at different, he just says it so well, so clearly, you know, you feel this tension between Mm -hmm. these two things of like, I love the church so much. And yet I've been so hurt by, by the failures of human beings within the church. And, and I think everybody has, you know, it's not just me, it's, it's everybody in different aspects, whether it be sexual misconduct or just like attitudes and harshness from a spiritual father or from someone in the church that you feel like should should be better, know better, treat people better. You know, you hear that a lot. It's like, I would expect something better from Christians, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we all do. We all expect something better. And and yet at the same time, I face with my own failures, you know, in my own places of tension and that seem in opposition to each other within my own heart. I'm like, this is just playing out on a way bigger scale, you know, here in the church. And it reminds me of when I was 18 years old and I was on a ministry team. And it was the first time that I heard about a scandal with a priest and someone that I knew. 
And it was absolutely shattering. You know, I'm a young person. Like I, yeah. I was looking, I had no idea that stuff like this even happened. And so I was so shocked. And I have such a justice button that when something unjust happens, like I just, oh my gosh, like my heart just engages immediately. So I was talking to a deacon who's a friend of mine and I was so upset. And I just said, how could this happen? Like, how could this priest do this? And I remember he said very sternly, he looked at me and he said, that was not the priest. That was the man. Mm. And my 18 year old mm. self mm. just, I just stopped dead in my tracks. I just stood there. I didn't know what to say. And that, those words have like echoed in my heart and my mind since then, since I was 18. That's come up over and over again. This is not who the church is. You know, like when I encounter all of these flaws, I'm like, this is the human parts. And this is what God chose. He chose to have all of us as human beings participate in the beauty of the church. And it is that, Michelle, like you said, she's a spotless bride and yet full of sinners. And what do we do with that? Because there is, I think, for each of us, so much love and so much pain all mixed up in it. What about you, sister? What are some of your thoughts? Gosh, yes. I think anybody who has been part of the church or has observed the church or is really human at all, (laughs) if you've ever thought about it deeply, you've wrestled with these things. And let's just be honest that these are hard things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us want to do the either or thing because the either or, the excess or defect is easier in a sense of, of the both and. And the crucifixion, the paschal mystery of the middle, which is the middle way of Christ, right, where he brings us into his heart. And I, yes, uh, you know, over the years growing up in the church, I, I didn't really think about those things. And you know, we went to Mass every Sunday. And then obviously when I became a religious sister, I just saw a different side of the church that I hadn't really, had never been so deeply inserted into her as a church. And then also I've never, had never ministered, you know, within her heart and also lived in her heart and also been broken by her heart <laughs> and probably mm-hmm. broken her heart as well, to be quite honest, in, in different yeah. ways. And so I think that, that reality is the, perpetual like perplexing of humanity since the fall of throughout the old testament you know we talk a lot about from say for example in lent we read it from hosea where god says i will allure you i will bring you back and mm-hmm. i will speak to her right before that he told her how unfaithful she was mm-hmm. and how you're an like an unfaithful bride you're an adulterer you're and so it's like this this tension of of within our hearts which is the magnification of the whole of the parts of our hearts that are faithful and the parts of our hearts that are unfaithful, the parts of our hearts that are scandalous, the parts of our hearts that are holy, and it's the continual integration therein. And so what are we supposed to do, really? It's like, what what are, what are we to do? It's, I mean, it's like when the dis- people here, I think it's Peter preaching, they're like, what, what are we to do? Like, we were cut to the heart. Like, what are we supposed mm-hmm. to do? And so how do we how do we continually respond to these manifestations of such sorrow, which is not the will of God. God is not rejoicing in the brokenness of the church. Like that is not pleasing to him. He's not, you know, so how do we respond to that also in the ways that he's calling us to in the immense amount of purification it takes for us to, to respond in love. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's a perpetual question that all of us have to continue to ask with the Holy Spirit in our hearts and allow him to lead us through personally and collectively as well. And I keep on going back and thinking more and more, and actually we're going to talk about this probably deeper in an episode we're recording in just a little while, or the end, one of the end of the episode, I mean seasons, episodes at the end of the season. But I keep on thinking about when Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. 
you know, he said, it is better that I leave. I am giving you the Holy Spirit. And that is the beginning of the church. You know, we call the birthday of the church Pentecost, which is, you know, the feast that we are about to come upon. And that is the birthday of the church. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And these scared men and women in this upper room were like, totally timid, totally scared. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were bold. They were courageous. They went out preaching. They went out in power. And I've been thinking more and more of this. Is the part of our sinfulness in the church is because we've limited the Holy Spirit and His conviction. You know, we don't feel the power. Like the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins and not a condemning way, in a conviction way, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's perfect freedom. So I'm thinking to myself, like, Lord, where have I limited the Holy Spirit in my own life Mm -hmm. to convict me of my own sinfulness, to convict me of my own judgments, to convict me of the ways that I have, like, I love the prayer that we pray in Mass, what I've done and what I have failed to do. Mm -hmm. And I love that we say, I ask you, all my brothers and sisters, to pray for me. It is like what I've done and what I've failed to do. And I've been thinking about all of that, just the Holy Spirit and coming. But when it says, I ask you, my brothers and sisters, the church is a family, Mm -hmm. you know, and any kind of family, I don't care how good your family is or how messy, a lot of us have messy families. All of us have something in our families, all of us, it doesn't matter who, but we are all family. We are all brothers and sisters. So we all love one another. We kick each other out. Sometimes we roll our eyes when we're called to a family gathering because we don't really want to be with these people, you know, Mm -hmm. and you want to be anywhere else, but with my family, not my family, just saying in case Mm -hmm. they're listening, but, um, (laughs) but you're just asking, like, there's always some kind of family drama, but what if the Holy Spirit is saying, Hey, brothers and sisters come together and let me heal you, and let me come in my power to see what we can do and really be family to one another in the Holy Spirit's power and presence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just that's what has been stirring in my mind and my heart. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, there's there's many times where I hear different people who are Catholic talking about something, and I'm like, are we even in the same family? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just so different from how I think or how I live my spiritual life. And and at the same time, I'm reminded, this is the church. It's, it's big enough for all of us, you know? Like, even if we—it's almost like we speak a different language altogether. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, when— the whole scandal really broke open several years ago. And I, how long ago was that? It feels like several years ago. Maybe it was just two years ago. I don't There's know. Several um, stages of it. Yeah. yeah. Several <laughs> stages of it. Yeah. yeah. But just like at, at one point feeling so strongly, I was like, I can't do this. I'm like, Lord, will you be mad if I, if I just become a Protestant and go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was like 15 minutes of really seriously, like, I don't think I can do this anymore, <laughs> you know, and, and just like bringing it before the Lord very honestly. And, and, and that whole scripture came, like, where would I go, Lord? Amen. Where would I go? Like, I just, it's like, there's problems everywhere in the world. Like, no matter where you belong, like, there's problems everywhere. You can't yeah. escape the humanity and the brokenness of human beings. And I, and I love this part. He talks about that in that quote, Carlos Coretta does. He says, the church has the power to make me holy, but it's made up from the first to the last of only sinners. And what sinners? It has the omnipotent and invincible power to renew the miracle of the Eucharist, but is made up of men who are stumbling in the dark, who fight every day against the temptation of losing their faith. It brings a message of pure transparency, but it is incarnated in slime. I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is exactly what we encounter. And sometimes it cuts so deep that we just want to run away. We just want to go, I can't do this anymore. I was just struck by the gift of 
the Lord letting me encounter the beauty of the church because yeah. I think that's really what has made me stay. I'm like, this is where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. This is his body. And and I don't want to leave him, you know, as much as, and I want to fight for her. I want to fight for the church. I want to fight for the beauty of the church and for what the Lord intended. And so even in the midst of all of these horrible things, like where else would I go? Mm-hmm. Like, and I've really had to face that and recommit, you know, to, to my faith and where I belong and my family, like all of those things I've had to just in my own heart and mind, like recommit to um, fighting for her. Amen. I, I, and amen to it. Where else would we go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where, it's true. Where else can you go that that's it's an illusion i love what he what he says he goes on to say those who dream of something different from this are wasting their time and have to rethink it all and this proves that they do not understand humanity because this is humanity made visible by the church with all its flaws and its invincible courage with the faith that christ has given it and with the love that christ showers on it mm-hmm. and we we all want i mean all of us are longing for heaven we we all long for a a time, you know, a, a time in, in in Kairos when we won't cry anymore, and there won't be sin, and there won't be division, and there won't mm-hmm. be misunderstanding, and and we're all aching for that. And everybody has their own idea of what that looks like and how to achieve that. And I, I think if we we think of just the different faces of the church, everybody from the top of the chancery, say down to the bottom, like we've all been wounded by different faces of the church because we've all mm-hmm. been wounded by each other, and. Yes, I mean, where 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 else would we go? Like, what what are we supposed to do? And I I think this that I I'm so grateful. We were talking before we started recording about the chosen. That's one of the things I love about the chosen mm-hmm. is the humanity of it. And you see the disciples arguing and jockeying mm-hmm. for position. I'm like, you know, that's exactly we read about that in the scripture. But you know, that's exactly what would have happened because it still happens to this day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, those places in our hearts still exist, and I think we don't even understand the deep trauma. Of, of the say the 12 with Christ, of journeying with him for all those years and being so intimate with him and then having Judas betray them. I, I, I think we don't mm-hmm. understand the deep trauma of what that would have done, of them saying, mm-hmm. I thought, why did he, they were there when he chose them. Like he looked at Judas and chose him by name. So, you know, they would have wrestled with the fact that he not know, or if he did, why did he do that? And mm-hmm. how is it that one of our own, because it, it's, I think oftentimes scandals shake our foundation and it challenges our beliefs that we have about ourselves. Because to be mm-hmm. quite honest, I know there's nothing in my life that I'm not capable of. I am capable of grave evil at any moment. I'm very well aware of that. And I think it challenges us and we kind of look at other people and we want to point to other people. And I'm not saying that it can't minimize people's brokenness, but holy cow, if I'm not willing to allow the Lord every day in my life, and this is why we talk about prayer and we talk about healing and restoration and, oh my goodness, the daily walk of intimacy with Christ, if, if we're not doing that, what, what can we expect from it? And we see that in Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Judas just betrayed Jesus, and then you have Peter going, "I will never do that. Yes. I will never do that." Oh. And then, like the next oh, day or two, us? like yes. there he is, and he's just flooded with shame. And mm-hmm. I, I imagine what was going on in his mind is mostly. I cannot believe I just did that. Like mm-hmm. I said, I wouldn't do that. I didn't know that was in my heart to even do that. Like it, I think it shocked him probably. Yeah. That's the impression that I get mm-hmm. is that he was shocked at himself. And then the shame just destroyed him, you know, mm-hmm. in that in that moment. And and what does Jesus do though? Like he goes after him and builds the church upon this guy. Like mm-hmm. this is who Jesus chose. Like the repentance that occurred is key. And and we were talking about this before we started recording that 
you know, in the church, so many things have come out and there's been a lot of transparency that's happening. And I, it, this is part of the healing. It's so hard to hear. It's so hard, but it needs to come out. The wound needs to be exposed, Mm -hmm. but that's not where it ends. You know, it needs to go into repentance, not just Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but repentance of like, things are going to change. I'm going to change. I'm going to reform and, and restore, you know, that there's a restoration that needs to occur here through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's, that's representative, even what has to happen within us. Like there's places within me right now that needs to come out into the light, but not just come out into the light. And I think we see this a lot on social media. We see people like coming out into the light with like all kinds of ugliness that's in their hearts or like, I'm just going to be honest or like, you know, I just, I just need to share what my truth or whatever it might be. And that's a powerful thing, like not to undermine that. It is powerful and it's so important that we understand our poverty, but it can't stop there. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to move to that next place of like, dependence on the Lord and his power to redeem, restore, and make whole. Because if we just stop at being honest and vulnerable or letting the wound be open to other people, that's probably where it's going to stay, you know, and we need the power of God's healing. Like this in this Easter season, I'm glad we're talking about it right now, because that's what this is all about, is that we don't believe in a God that died and stayed dead. We believe in a God that rose from the dead and, and can restore anything so he can take the ugliest things and make them beautiful again. And I think there is something, and we were mentioning it before we started recording, there's something that church is mother, church is bride. So she is a female, and like the church is female. That is who she is. So for us as women, how do we co-create with the Holy Spirit these spaces, you know, in these places for the church to be restored and reconciled? Like for me, I think about all the different places that the church has hurt different people, yeah. especially the sexual victims. Mm-hmm. Especially when people don't believe the victims. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, it pierces me because the church is supposed to be a safe mother. And when mm-hmm. those think something that is supposed to be safe and sacred mm-hmm. is profane and then hurt and damaging to people. Mm-hmm. So how do we come and create these safe places for things to be, for people to be repented to, but also for people to be reconciled back to Mother Church so then they, for, they can be restored? Like we said, we were talking about it before. Okay, we don't have the answers. We don't. We're in the journey with you, and we're just asking the questions. And we're hoping to pose and ask the questions so that some answers can come about, mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit can come about with some answers, because that is our hope. And I think a really thing for on all of our hearts is, for especially those that have been victimized in severe ways from the church, to know that you matter. Like mm-hmm. your voice matters. Your story matters. What happened to you? Like we see and we hear you and it matters and you are not something that should be dismissed or you're not just a number or a statistic in the church. You're a person and you're part of the family and we want you to be a restored and reconciled member and part of the family once again. And like I said, we don't have the correct answers, but oh Lord, you know. Our, I always say, Jesus is a Jesus of questions. Like he always asks mm. us the questions. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to do this? You know, do you, you know, and so he's asking us, do you want to be healed? And we said, yes, Lord, we want to be healed. Please show us the way to go mm-hmm. and the next steps to take. 
Yeah, it's like some of these things are so hard to even talk about. You know, like I can feel the hesitancy within the three of us to even talk about it because it's so sensitive. Like our for anyone who's been hurt in the church, like, in, and there's so many ways, you know, by spiritual fathers, by just people in leadership, by just friends that you thought would be different because they're Christians. It's so hard to talk about it because we don't know all the individual circumstances yeah. and the depth of the pain that's there. And and I don't want to assume to know all I the agree. things. I, I, I know my own mm-hmm. pains mm-hmm. that have occurred, my own wounds that have come from the church. And and I'm aware of some that I've probably inflicted upon other people, you know, unknowingly, like just by not being present or not being patient or whatever it might be. And, and all I can do is like, keep looking to Jesus is like, you are our hope, Lord, like you, this is your church, this is your body, and you are the one that I want to put our hope in. And I love this last part of the, the quote where he says, he reestablishes our virginity, no matter how many times we've prostituted our bodies, spirits, and hearts. In this, God is truly God, the only one who can make everything new again. It's not so important that he will renew heaven and earth. What's most important and that is that he will renew our hearts. This is Christ's work. This is the divine spirit of the church. And and that really is, I think, our deepest heart is that God would renew us, that he would restore us and that he would heal us, that he would bring freedom in all the places where there is bondage, like within the church and within the members of the church, within the body. Mm-hmm. Yes, I and I, every, every single one of us, every single one of us in our lives, throughout our lives, will have no other place to go but to the foot of the cross mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to bring everything there. And, you know, maybe you're listening to us now and you've suffered deeply from the church and, and people just won't listen or you feel ostracized or you felt unseen or unheard or... You know, even in our own families, we have these areas of, of tremendous injustice happening in our society and in our families. So all of us, whether you've experienced that in the church or not, every single one of us will have many moments in our life where where you've done what you can do mm-hmm. or you've said what you can say and what are you supposed to do then, right? Or the poverty mm-hmm. that we see within us. You know, how many times do we just go sit before the Lord at the foot of the cross and say, I, I can't, you must do for me what I can't do for myself because I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I think what you were hearkening to earlier, Heather, is the you know the question of like how will I respond, you know what what will I do? Mm-hmm. Because I know I, I was telling you guys very very honestly just before this started, like the Lord convicted me this last week of a place in my own life where I preferred my own lies and my own drama to the truth. And Jesus said to me, "If you want to be well, you will have to receive the truth here, mm-hmm. and it will be difficult, and you will have to lament, and you will have to grieve." Mm-hmm. But do you want to be well? Mm-hmm. And I think for us friends, you know, we, we it's, it's it's very cliched, but you know, we talk about how you know hate doesn't help. Like you know, we, we will never heal ourselves by wounding another. Amen. Mm-hmm. So I think the answer is to continually turn to the face of Christ and ask Him to heal us and to heal our church and to bring us into oneness with Him. Because where else are we going to go? <laughs> mm-hmm. And to trust that He. As much as other people might want to avoid those places or not Mm -hmm. talk about them or put them under the rug or go, oh, like, yeah, well, the church has always been broken. Or if you don't like this certain thing, like you can just go to another parish or whatever, as if it doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. these aren't places that Jesus avoids. And I love the scripture 
of the widow at Nain, where there's this huge crowd around and Jesus could have just got caught up in being the center of attention. You know, there's a huge crowd around and he's performing all kinds of miracles and doing all kinds of things. And he comes into this town and there's people everywhere and there's a funeral going on and there's a widow there and she's crying because her son just died. And so she's lost everything. And in the midst of the whole crowd of everybody probably rallying around him, he sees her and he goes right up to her and he says, don't cry. I'm like, can we just hear the tenderness of God like there? And I've talked to this scripture. I've talked about so many times because I feel the need to have Jesus come up to me sometimes Mm -hmm. and to say to me, Heather, don't cry. Mm -hmm. Don't cry because it doesn't matter. Like, it's not that kind of thing. Like, come on, chin up, girl. Like, Mm -hmm. suck it up, princess. Like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Don't cry. Like, that's not the tone. Like, Jesus is like, don't cry. Like, with so much tenderness and also because he has the power to heal. And he goes right up to that dead man, right up to her son who's dead, which you don't do. You don't, he didn't, you weren't supposed to do that, like Mm -hmm. touch a dead person, but he doesn't even just get close. Like he touches him and says, young man, get up. And he rose from the dead. And that's a real thing. Like that really happened. And this boy like sat up and rose from the dead. And I'm like, this is the hope of Jesus. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is, this is where we put our hope. It's not in other people. It is in the person of Jesus because he has the power to heal and restore and make all things new and blow our minds like mm-hmm. and our hearts wide open to something new again. And so that's where I would just like encourage all of us to keep going is into the heart of Jesus who is tender, who looks at us in all of our pain and says, don't cry. Like I'm here to make all things new again. And even when it looks impossible and lost, that nothing is lost or impossible for him. And I think just leaning into, Lord, make all things new. And for a lot of us, we want to do something. Like, can we do Mm -hmm. something? And Mm -hmm. I think the invitation the Lord keeps on saying to me is, no, can you be something? Can you be the kind of mother that I'm calling you to be? You know, like if you want Mother Church to be healed, then your motherhood needs to be healed. And I was sharing with sisters since I saw her this week, just talking about how deeper the Lord has been bringing me, which is healing just areas of my own mothering, you know, and just deep. And like, when you think about hurting your children, it like makes you cringe Mm -hmm. and like makes you like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I would even do this. Or you're not doing it consciously. It's more Mm -hmm. subconsciously just in areas Mm -hmm. that you have learned how to express yourself or grow and live in. And the Lord is just showing me like this restoration of even my own motherhood will be a restoration, learning how to mother myself Mm -hmm. first and foremost. And then my biological, you know, my own children and then spiritual children, that's where restoration of the church starts. But I want to do something even further out there. And I'm not saying that we should not, but we always start in here, in our hearts and allow the Lord to really come and do that and make a new, make all things new within us first, mm-hmm. you know, to look within us first and reform us first, Lord, you know, start here. Let me love here. Let me mm-hmm. forgive here. Let me speak life here speak Mm -hmm. life over to the church. And that's where I think he's inviting each and every one of us is just this deeper calling to making all things new in ourselves. Indeed. Indeed. I think there's so much more we could say, right? (laughs) There's so much more we could say here, but just a, a, a gentle invitation to your heart, dear friends, just to, just to notice what's happening within your heart, even as we've talked about some of these things and, and maybe you found some of the some of it very captivating and some of it maybe you found very challenging. And that's okay. Both sides of our hearts are okay. And just to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you 
now and, and this week as you journey throughout the week and maybe as you have a journaling time and with these questions and or if you have a small group discussion time of of what is the Lord really asking uh, for you in your own heart and what is he saying? And and he's always about, like we're saying here, he's always about something new. You know, he's always not about the next thing. He's about the new thing, you know. So mm-hmm. what is he what is he raising to life and what is he allowing to be crucified so it can die so something new can rise? And perhaps for all of us, it's time, right? It's time. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, my dear friends, Michelle, would you like to share with our listeners what is your one thing for the week? Mm-hmm. Yes. My one thing kind of goes along with, you know, where else would we go? And for all of us, you know, the sacramental life of the church is just such a beautiful thing. Like mm. it, is, it is, May is upon us. And so that's usually the season of sacraments, first communions, confirmations, all that, some weddings, as much as we can, COVID style, mm-hmm. but all of that. But I would like to recommend a book from I, that I just picked back up two days ago from a good friend of ours, Dr. Bob Schutz, The Be Transformed, about the power of the sacraments in our everyday life. And I was just rereading parts of that, and it was on reconciliation. And we're all big fans of Dr. Bob's and Sister Works mm-hmm. extensively with him. But I was like, darn, this is good. Darn, this is good. You know, And he is just such a great example of a good spiritual father, mm-hmm. but is such a great example of a good teacher that really— prophetically teaches the beauty of the church. So I highly recommend that book. Well, just to join in the Dr. Bob fan club, (laughs) it's funny that you said that because my one thing is his podcast with my husband, Jake, um, called Restore the Glory. And we've, I've brought it up before, but I was just listening to it again last week and Oh my gosh, there's so much gold Mm -hmm. in that podcast. It's very good. It is very good. Two Catholic therapists talking about the anatomy of a wound and like mm-hmm. family wounds and marriage wounds and all of these things with like restoration and how to heal and how to journey through stuff like that. And I just think there's so much gold there and so much wisdom there. And so I just want to encourage you to take a listen to that podcast, restoretheglorypodcast.com. You can check out their website or find it anywhere that you find podcasts. And I just love Dr. Bob as well. He's such an encourager. Like he has so many beautiful ministry things going on. And yet he always takes time to just send us notes of encouragement and just, yeah, what a great guy. Dr. Bob, you're loved. He's the real deal. Yeah, we love him very much. Well, on the line of healing, it's not Dr. Bob, though. That'd be so funny. (laughs) (laughs) We we don't tell each other what our one things are. So that's really funny. My one thing is the JP2 healing. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, my book uh, is, my one thing is a book by Dr. Gregory Popkak, which uh, Michelle was telling me about. And then it happened to be in two other books that I was reading. I was like, okay, this is the Lord trying to tell me something. And Mm. the book is called Broken Gods. And the subtitle is Hope, Healing, and the Seven Longings of the Human Heart. And if Mm. we're, this might be something that would be really a great compliment to our podcast episode this week because it talks about that we talk about the surface presentations of say the seven deadly sins but what's happening underneath what are the longings of the human heart and then what are the virtues that go along with the longing that we have that can help us be transformed in that particular area of our life and it's uh, dr gregory popcat I, I believe is a, a isn't he a psychologist he's a catholic yes. psychologist mm-hmm. and so he and his wife have written many books but I, I would really recommend this one it's very easy to read and it might just shed some new light on places of your own heart where you have longings that are, um, instead of being expressed in a way that's life-giving, become destructive. So it talks about how to, with the Lord, help heal those and bring us into into full communion with Him. So It is really one of the best books I think I've read it's this year. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Like I w- oh. It is 
amazing. Like I listeners, yeah, you may want to go ahead and get that because that may come up in our next season. Like You're I like would, listeners uh, and Heather. Oh yeah, yeah okay. listeners well. and Heather. Like I was thinking, like that's one of my put on the list for next season to for mm. a possible. I'm not saying we will possible book study because it is that good mm. and. Like uh, Sister Miriam was saying, it says the seven deadly sins, but just the, the desire and the mm-hmm. virtues that go with it. But what is the real desire yep. that goes with mm. it? You know, and I think even it's really helped us even in our parenting, you know, like, OK, what is the desire for this kid? Like, what is the des- like, what is your deepest desire? And really ask hard questions. So highly mm. recommend mm-hmm. that book. So mm-hmm. good. Well, indeed, friends, we continue to to pray for you. Thank you so much for joining with us. We we appreciate each and every one of you tremendously. And thank you for being with us on the journey and being the both and and wrestling with things and allowing the Lord to to heal all of our hearts. So until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com where you can find all the show notes, links to our one thing, transcripts, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of its content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content to you. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through a website called Patreon, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member, and you will receive monthly individual videos from Michelle, Heather, and I, as well as other exclusive content, recipes, playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information about Patreon at patreon.com forward slash abiding together. Thank you and God bless you.